Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. Previously on Hello, John Doe. So we had the missing person case in NamUs as Philip Brandenburg. Nobody knew if this missing infant was alive or dead. The FBI had no paperwork on him, but I didn't want to give up on looking for him. For 15 years, I continued my work investigating missing and unidentified people with the Department of Justice. But I always wondered about the fate of those missing boys. Until one day in 2019, a man called me claiming that he was actually one of them. And I told him, I said, our conversation, I was like, you're not going to believe this. I said, I don't blame you if you don't believe it. Because this this sounds crazy. And I started explaining, and he took the time to listen. He said he was a missing infant, but now I had to figure out if this was actually true. And, if so, how on earth had he gotten away from a serial killer? After that phone call in 2019, I had to prove that this man was actually who he said he was. I had my work cut out for me. The man who had called went by the name Steve Patterson and had grown up in Cherryville, North Carolina, not so far away from me. But the person he thought he was, the guy with the profile on the Doe Network, that was Philip Stephen Brandenburg. He had last been seen in Texas, not North Carolina. Could these two be one and the same? I hoped in my heart he was, but there was good reason to be skeptical. I called up my friend Mike Nance, my coworker from NamUs. That's the national database run by the federal government. I asked Mike to put Steve into NamUs because it might help match him with the person that he thought he was. Throughout my tenure with NamUs, that we've had similar situations where, for whatever reason, someone has contacted NamUs as an adult, believing that they are a missing child from some agency, some jurisdiction. So I don't know why they believe that. I totally get that. Those of us in this business have all hit dead ends, or rather, we've hit the wrong ends. We're all chasing hope that sometimes gets us nowhere. You exhume a body that ends up being the wrong person, Someone vanishes and is never found. This guy on the phone who said he was a Brandenburg could have been the same type of situation. He might be a liar. Who knows? 
Or maybe he had it all wrong and he was another missing person, not the Brandenburg infant that I thought. I've been exposed to my fair share of heartbreak in this line of work. But you know what? I've also been in situations where hope won out, where the impossible happened, even though it had no business going that way. So I chose to focus on what seems unbelievable but possible. For 20 years, I've been wondering if the Brandenburg infant was alive or dead. Mike and I could wonder all we wanted, but nothing would be more final than a DNA test. And Steve was down to take it. Steve, the guy who claimed he was Philip Brandenburg, was a little surprised at where he had to go for the DNA swab. The terrible police department, (laughs) of all places. I mean, it's not every day he goes to hang out at the local police department. It was kind of funny, because the guy that gave it to me is like, this is the first time I've ever done this. I'm like, same here. (laughs) I said, I guess we're both going to be the first time we gave a DNA test and first time I've ever taken one. And we laughed about it. He just swabbed it around in my mouth and put it in this little pack. I think he said he was going to send it to Texas. Yeah, the University of North Texas processed it. That's where Namus was located at the time. It's where all the DNA went. We all waited several months. Seemed like years. Steve and I had all these phone conversations around that time. They were usually kind of short. Steve wasn't a big talker like me. I was introducing him to tools like Ancestry.com, showing him what all was possible. I didn't really know it then, but Steve had taken a liking to me. I think it had something to do with the fact that I'd taken the time to search for the missing Brandenburg infant for years. If you ask me, I think Steve has always had a feeling of not being wanted. He felt like he'd been thrown away. While we waited for the DNA test to come back, it dawned on me that if this guy wasn't Philip Brandenburg, I'd be devastated. But I already made up my mind that even if he wasn't, I still wanted to help this guy whoever the hell he was. I always took in any old stray anyway. Then one day, Mike Nance gave me the definitive phone call. We were able to make the familial identification and determine that, yes, this is Philip Brandenburg. Steve Patterson was Philip Stephen Brandenburg. This once non-existent person was somehow alive. I couldn't believe it. He's really a real person, and he was really born, and... uh, It was just such an amazing feeling. Just so many different dynamics that that go into these cases, and you just wonder what's going to be the next chapter in this this incredible story of this family. I'd waited almost 20 years for him to find my message in a bottle. Even Mike, the seasoned detective that he is, was shocked. I guess you just have to understand maybe the mindset of a homicide detective because you see stuff every day that you think, you know, "This this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And this, this possibly can't, uh, can't be true, but then you do your investigation, and sure enough, it's, it's true. But for the man in the center of it, it wasn't a surprise at all. I knew the whole time. It just, in my mind, in my heart, I knew that that test was going to come back positive. Wasn't no doubt about it. You blew their minds. Yeah. You did. You wasn't supposed to be here, but you were. Yeah. This baby somehow escaped the grasp of Franklin Floyd, the serial killer. So, how did he do it? How did he get away? I knew the answer had to be in his name. Stephen was born of Brandenburg, but ended up as a Patterson. That's because he was adopted before he could even crawl or speak. 
It was an informal adoption that seems to have taken place in a trailer park without the usual paperwork. So formally connecting him to his birth mother would take some serious detective work. My name is Todd Matthews and this is Hello John Doe, a sleuth, a family, and a serial killer. The story of a family torn apart by tragedy and my quest to bring them back together. Chapter two, an unusual adoption. Once I figured out Steve Patterson was Philip Stephen Brandenburg, I had a ton of questions. Like how did he get adopted? Why had no one ever found him? And why did his biological parents give him up in the first place? Safe to say, he had a big question, too. I want to know who my real mom and dad were. It's not like there's a box of bones to hand to someone, the way there is when you ID a dead body and find the family. A DNA test isn't a barcode. You can't just scan it and the name pops out. It's a lot more complicated. The DNA test would tell us who he might match to genetically, but we had to go looking for Steve's biological family, too. Do some old-fashioned reporting. We had to do it together. Part of the reason he trusted me is because I'd been searching for him all along. I think it's neat. I think it's cool. Somebody was looking. <laughs> His girlfriend, Jeanette O'Connor, watched it all go down. He feels that. You've been a blessing in his life. But we couldn't go out into the world and get answers immediately. There was a lot that had to line up for us to meet each other. First, the pandemic lockdowns kept us apart for a really long time. On the phone, I tried to help him find some initial answers about who he was. But there was a lot I wanted to wait on until we could meet in person. Talk, man to man. So the week of Memorial Day weekend, almost four years after he first called, I finally made the trip. I flew from Knoxville to Charlotte and met my producer, Kate Michigan. We rented a car to meet Steve near his hometown, about an hour west of Charlotte. So to complicate things even more, our hotel in Charlotte had a water main leak and kicked us out at 4 a.m. What a nightmare. We spent the next few hours at a Waffle House, watching the small North Carolina town wake up, eating waffles and eggs and obsessing over the day ahead. The questions we'd ask. What would he be like in person? Would we be able to answer the questions that he had for us? It was an unexpected start to a unique day. A rainy spring day, not humid enough to be summer, but it was clear it was going to downpour any minute. I was nervous. I chewed up all my fingernails on the way over in the car. Todd, how are you doing? And uh, how are you feeling about Steve? That's my producer, Kate. Continue I think it's going to have to be a man-to-man you look in my eyes, you know, it's going to be kind of emotional. I, I know it. The things that I do, the things that I have an urge to do is sometimes it just seems supernatural in a way. It, it's like I don't know really exactly what drives it. But it sounds like you do a lot of, like, you kind of have that presence for, like, living people, too. I won't lie. My job has taken me through so many different cases over the years. But this time the stakes were higher than a Georgia pine. There's a weight on you when you're trying to get someone answers. This was different than finding someone's name. I was trying to figure out why Steve's parents gave him up for adoption. It's traumatic. By then, I'd worked for NamUs, but I'd come from the Doe Network where investigating was done in groups. And family members helped solve and brainstorm new ways to help find the missing. It was a community effort. I looked for Steve. I could prove it to him. I did care for you. You didn't know you were lost, but I did. And now, we would finally meet. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Today kind of starts a journey for you. I've got butterflies now because I feel like I'm going to meet somebody that uh, has been a part of my life for a long period of time. Do you think he feels the same way? I do, and I feel like in some ways he takes, I take the place of somebody he's missing out of his life, and I think in some ways he's taken the place of somebody that's missing out of my life. He would have been close to the age of my, my brother that has passed away. So it's, And I'm not replacing somebody with another person, but it's kind of nice to have somebody in that spot. I knew ahead of time this might be a hard conversation, that Steve had some complicated feelings about his past, about his biological mom in particular. He told me before that she threw him away like a piece of garbage, and I said maybe she put Moses in a basket. You never know. I mean, it's, I think she might have been trying to save him and not just get rid of him. No, I have butterflies. We're getting there, ain't we? So we got to our meeting place. We couldn't meet at Steve and his girlfriend's house because they got these little dogs barking nonstop. Kate went outside to get him. How long was the drive in here? Oh, 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Well, oh, yeah, we just got here. Okay. I stood in our meeting room waiting for him to come in, my heart jumping out of my chest. And when we finally met face to face, it felt like a reunion. He was exactly what I expected. He was about my height, 5'7", wore a ball cap and a gray vest, glasses, salt and pepper beard, goatee. Kind of reminded me of Kevin Bacon. We stood there face to face for a beat. Where have you been all my life, man? (laughs) We hugged, and I could feel he was trembling. And I guess I kind of was too. 
And you must be. I'm Jeanette. Yeah. You nervous? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be nervous. I can see your chin quivering. You're fine. We're good. I'm your big brother now, so you, you, you can do this. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be some tough moments in it. Steve. <laughs> You're all right, okay? He came with his girlfriend, Jeanette. Them meeting just, I've been excited all yeah. week. <laughs> because he has just been a savior for us. Had it not been for you, we, mm -mm. when you were going through what we were at the time and not being able to find any help or anyone that wants to, and then Todd just like came in and just like swooped us up. And you have been our savior. So we, wow. I appreciate it, but I, I mean, I know how much he does too. He's just not a big talker. <laughs> <laughs> they met in high school, just like me and my wife. They reconnected later in life. Steve became a stepfather to Jeanette's kids. There's not very many men that would do that. And he's really good to my kids. I'm thankful for that, too. Sounds like you guys have a really strong foundation. Sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not perfect, but it's perfect for us. Here he was. Steve, nearly 50, with a girlfriend and kids of his own. I wondered why he waited decades to call me. Why hadn't he wanted answers before? What was standing in his way? According to his own DNA, Steve was a Brandenburg, part of a other whole tribe of people he knew nothing about, a group that had a serial killer circle him like a buzzard. But before we get to all that, I wanted to know what it was like to grow up as a Patterson. It wasn't anything different than anybody else. Just rode bikes and played baseball and just grew up normal. Short stop in Outfield. Steve was raised in North Carolina by his mom, Mary, his dad, Bob, and he has a sister named Tammy. Steve came in with some baby photos. He's got this big head of blonde hair, and some pictures even looks like my grandson. There's one where he's laying on this fluffy carpet, smiling right into the camera. Do you remember when this photo was taken? No. It was probably at Sears, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, we did the Sears. I think that's a it wasn't old and small town southern <laughs> thing. It's going to Sears to get your pictures made. It's like all the smushiness right here. Yeah, this, this, crunch, this little scrunchy, scrunched up smile. In high school, he was a pretty good student. Straight A's for the most part. His parents raised him good. Don't lie. Don't steal. Definitely don't steal. Definitely don't steal. They were big time into that. When I didn't steal anything, but I guess because I listened to him. <laughs> but be on time, be early. He took heed. Steve and Jeanette were about 30 minutes early to our meeting. Growing up, Steve really looked up to his dad, Bob. My dad, he worked a lot. He worked out of town. Like he'd be gone, you know, weeks at a time. And sometimes when he worked in Raleigh, we'd go up there and He'd rent a house and we'd all stay there, you know, for weeks at a time. He was a construction worker, a millwright. Growing up, no one ever talked about Steve's adoption. I didn't know for sure, but I knew in the back of my mind. I mean, it, it was never brought up. Never. Then there was this one important day. He was a teenager by then, and he was prowling around in his parents' bedroom. I was running through the closet one day, just, just snooping around. 
looking for guns probably to go out and shoot when <laughs> wasn't nobody there. And I found this packet, this manila envelope, and it had a, uh, it had that I was adopted. He had to open the envelope to see. No, it was writing inside that said that it said that I was adopted and it had my real name. My name was Philip Stephen Brandenburg. And I I read it that day and didn't think about it till all this came out. I mean, it, it never dawned on me. I, mean, I wasn't interested in finding then, you know. Here's Kate again. And did you feel like you were holding a secret in after you found out or you just went back to your normal life? I just went back to my normal life. Steve didn't confront Mary and Bob. He just tucked away the envelope. I didn't want to upset my mom and dad asking them who my real mom and dad is. Because I thought maybe that would upset them, you know what I mean? I didn't want to undermine them. He was worried they'd be insulted. I didn't want to ruffle any feathers or hurt any feelings, if that makes sense. But as he settled into middle age, it was harder and harder to keep the manila envelope tucked away. Life started to creep up on him. I know that feeling. You start to enter your 40s and 50s, and there are these questions you start to have about your own life, who you are, where you came from. Maybe it was now that I'm older, I'd like to find out who I am. kind of want to know who my mom and dad were to see, you know, for health reasons, for personality reasons, just, just to find out where I came from. And then he came face to face with it when the only father he had ever known died. Now, I'm not entirely sure why things were this way, but my guess is it's equal parts Bob and Steve. Steve's not the kind of guy to push for answers. Maybe Bob didn't want him to ask. It's not like Steve's estranged from the family who raised him. He sees his mom marry a ton. Jeanette considers her as her own mama. They're that close. Mary is just as much my mom as, you know, I lost my mom about seven years ago. And so having Mary in my life, I definitely think that you choose your family. (laughs) I don't think you're born into it. As she and Steve had been learning about Steve's past, Jeanette's been like a little family carrier pigeon. I feel like I'm kind of the go-between between him and his mom. (laughs) So he asks me the questions and she answers and then I just kind of relay back and forth on everything, not just the story. When I sat down with Steve and his family to ask questions about his past, they were so open to me, so matter-of-fact, maybe because I'm a stranger. This wouldn't be the first time or last time I'd encountered this, a family that was so open to tell me secrets that they couldn't tell each other. So around here in the South, there are some things you just don't talk about, some things you don't question, not out loud anyway. I think Steve's origin story is one of them, or was. Things changed when Steve's dad died. I think if his dad hadn't passed away, then he wouldn't. It wouldn't have even come up. I can see how Steve and Jeanette get along. They're both as sweet as can be. But they're also kind of opposites. Steve's more reserved, while Jeanette pushes for answers. She's a little more assertive. Put it this way, Steve didn't have the gumption to ask his mom about his adoption. But he sure didn't mind if Jeanette did. The way Steve and Jeanette remember it, they were all hanging out as family after the funeral. They were at a church. Here in the South, you either do the funeral at the church or go to the church afterwards for a meal. It's never super fancy, but you go to spend the time with the loved ones and begin a new life with someone missing from it. They're all hanging out, eating chicken pot pie, green beans, veggies, when Jeanette brought it up. 
and we were just talking in general, and I just said, you know, Steve is a little curious about who his birth parents are. And his mother, Mary, took a moment, collected herself, and said something she'd known for half a century, but never said out loud. My husband said he's ours to leave it alone. That's the way he felt about it. And after he died, then I went to Steve, do you want to know the truth? Jeanette said, yeah, he's been waiting to hear the truth. What did she tell you? My, my name. Which was the Philip Stephen Brandenburg. And at that time, she didn't give me anything else, really. It was just a name, and that's what we started with. She didn't have a ton of emotion when she said it. She just said it. It came out so easy, as if Mary had been waiting all alone to tell Steve. His real name was Philip Stephen Brandenburg. I think it was a combination of three things that day. One, Mary was realizing she had a new normal now, one without her husband, Bob. Two, Steve's simmering curiosity. And three, Jeanette's bravery. Three people all had to be at this particular place in their lives to finally have this conversation almost half a century later. Nobody at the funeral knew what was coming next. Certainly not Mary. I'm not sure that she knew that all of this big story, you know, was going to come out of this. I, I don't think so. But later that night, Steve finally did the thing he could have done years ago. He got on his phone and Googled his original name. And that's when the bomb exploded. And just like that, he found his own page on the Doe Network, posted online by a group of Citizen Sleuth volunteers. That page lists him, a baby, as missing and endangered, maybe dead. It had become clear at one point in his life, very early on, Steve was at a fork in the road. Of course, he didn't know it was a fork. He was only a baby. Mary had been through a lot by the time she met Steve. But as it turns out, so had he. The first time she saw him, Mary decided to take Steve home right then and there. That's next, the story of Steve's unusual adoption. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's leesa.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. 
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Mary Patterson is tougher than woodpecker lips. She's super gruff. Sometimes I'd ask her a question. She'd just look at me like, are you sure you want to ask me that? Nowadays, she drives a school bus in North Carolina. And I gotta say, I'd hate to be the kid that pissed her off. You kind of have to work for Mary's love. But once you got it, you got it. The first thing she told us is that she was married almost 50 years to Bob Patterson. They met on a blind date. Do you remember the movie? Double date. No. No. <laughs> That's been too long ago. That's almost 50 years ago. Like I said, she'll tell you when she thinks it's a silly question. In 1974, she was pregnant with a girl, Mary Michelle. But she lost a baby. It was the second time a baby of hers had died right after they were born. Five and a half months as far as I could go with either one of them. They were born alive. One lived three hours and one lived an hour. That must have been really hard for you. It was. And I never got to see either one of them. The doctors would not let me see her health and well-being, particularly for somebody who just lost a baby, was dismissed outright. No one ever asked her what she needed in that moment. As you can imagine, it was an emotionally painful experience. It reminds me a lot of my mom and her experience with my siblings who died much too soon. It's the kind of thing that just doesn't leave you. You live with it. My doctor said it'd be best if I didn't see him. And I think that's wrong. That is wrong. When she was at the hospital, she recognized somebody she knew, Sandy Brandenburg, who sat a few machines away from her at the garment factory. Mary was a seamstress there in 1974. Both women were pregnant at the same time. She was a beautiful woman when she was young. Beautiful, little short, petite little lady. Oh, she was beautiful. You wouldn't say they were friends, but they chatted like co-workers. I wasn't wild, but she was. She liked men and drugs and alcohol, and I just wasn't in that scene. I ain't never smoked, ain't. I don't drink. I try not to cuss, but sometimes it comes out. This wasn't really a coincidence, running into someone you knew in a small North Carolina town in the 70s. Mary recognized her, but wasn't really in a state to engage. She'd just lost her baby. Plus, she says she'd been heavily medicated. As far as she remembers, she didn't even talk to Sandy in the hospital. After that, Mary says she went on with her life. Went on to her husband and a two-bedroom, single-wide trailer where they lived. She tried to recover. Then about six weeks later, one of her friends, Rita Lori, called. 
She also knew Sandy and said Sandy needed help. She needed someone to come and adopt her children. She couldn't take care of them. Rita since passed away, so I couldn't confirm it with her. This is how Mary remembers it. It's been 50 years, so you might want to take it with a grain of salt or a spoonful of sugar. What Mary remembers is that she showed up to a trailer park with her husband, Bob, and saw these four little kids. The youngest was six weeks old. The oldest might have been in kindergarten. Mary wasn't really prepared for what she saw next. They had never been potty trained. None of them had. When I went in that trailer, there was feces all over the place. They just peed wherever they wanted to pee because she hadn't trained them. They were kind. They'd go from trailer to trailer begging for food every day. And that's sad. She wanted me to take all four of them, and I wouldn't take them. I couldn't because I didn't have a two-bedroom trailer. But her eyes were fixed on the infant, Philip Stephen Brandenburg. If you'd have seen him, you'd want to know. You'd know why. He was pitiful. Maggots in his pants, and his diaper was stuck, slammed to him. Bob's grandma, Ma Mary Quinn, stood there over him and washed him, and tears running all down her on him. She said, this bitch ought to be killed. It was a horrifying situation. She walked out of that trailer with Steve and tried to nurse him back to hell. Months later, Mary said that Sandy needed to sign paperwork saying she was giving Steve away. Mary and Bob broke the law by taking him. Back then in North Carolina, there was a rule that babies had to be adopted into a different county than they were born. It created a separation between birth families and the folks who adopted a child. Mary kept him a secret for two years and then went before the court. We went through Gaston County, and they came in, checked the house out, and qualified us, and, and we adopted him. And after that, life went on. She raised Steve and finally had the child she'd been longing for. You can tell by the way she talks about Steve. She's just crazy about him. Well, I chose him. If he hadn't been born, I wouldn't have got him. I couldn't love him anymore if he was mine or not. Just love him is all you can do. They live real close to each other, talk on the phone and text all the time. As Steve grew older, she never brought up the adoption. Not because of the rough condition of the trailer park or even her own pregnancies but because he just never asked. Instead, she focused on giving Steve the best life he could possibly have. He had them hard metal Tonka toys and mm. all them good ones, road scrapers and all kind of toys. We took him to all kind of museums while he was growing up. If my husband was working in Raleigh, we went to every museum down there. After she picked up Steve, Mary never saw Sandy again. I don't think she even knew, realized she had given him to me. I really don't because she was out there in La La Land. She suspects Sandy was drinking and on drugs. But Mary also knew something Steve didn't. She knew Sandy. And based on her experience, Mary wasn't sure if Sandy would even be a comfort to Steve. He wanted answers, and she might not have them. I don't think she really remembers. be honest with you, I don't think she remembers what went on. In her own way, Mary might have wanted to protect Steve from the heartbreak that might come from knowing his own mother. There was a million ways that Sandy might break his heart. So while Mary knew all along about Sandy, she said nothing. So all these years later, like, how do you, how do you feel about this woman? I don't hate her. 
God says forgive and forget. You know, that she brought him into my life, so be it. What Steve didn't know? His biological mom and sisters were all living just one state over, about six hours by car, a day trip. I had to understand her side of the story, how she'd come into this weird adoption, and if she ever looked for her son again. Once Steve and Jeanette started learning about Steve's past, it was hard to stop. That's the nature of internet rabbit holes. There's always one more thing to read. In their searches, Steve and Jeanette realized Steve had siblings. Siblings whose fate were much worse than Steve's. Some of them were forced to go on the run, change their names. Some would end up being raised by their mother, and others would never see her again. And there was one name that kept showing up in their search. Franklin Floyd, the man sitting on death row in a Florida prison. He was the serial killer. Floyd was the man I contacted back in 2004 when I was looking for Steve. Steve and Jeanette didn't understand how, but Floyd was linked to the family in some way. Google just kept suggesting his name. It was just kind of unbelievable. Like, like we didn't even know. I don't, there were really not even words. It was just like shock and confusion, I guess, a little confused, worried, you know, because I didn't know what all he was about to start going through, but. It worried me a little bit. It was enough that Steve found out he was adopted and his original family were strangers to him. It was another thing that he found his own missing persons page. But to be linked to a serial killer. It was a very big deal. You know, you're adopted and you think you're going to find your parents. You don't think you're going to have all this that comes along with it. It was emotional. I'm emotional anyway, so... (laughs) Yes, I can't help it. (laughs) But I was very worried. Because, you know, it changes a person when you find out so many crazy things. This killer, Franklin Floyd, didn't just cross paths with the family for the blink of an eye. It was longer than that. He was married to Sandy Brandenburg, Steve's original mother. Next time on Hello, John Doe. So I was in Charlotte. And that's when I met Franklin Floyd. But I knew him as Brandon Williams. And he said that he would help me get the kids. He would go with me to get the kids, and everything would be all right. Now that I look back, I was so stupid and so naive. He's creepy. He was always creepy. Hello, John Doe is an original production by Revelations Entertainment in association with First and Last Productions. From Revelations, our executive producers are Morgan Freeman and James Younger. From First to Last, Lindsay Moreno is the executive producer. Our producing partner is Neon Hum Media. It was written and produced by Kate Michigan. Our editor is Catherine St. Louis. She is also Neon Hum Media's executive editor. Our executive producer is Shara Morris. Our development producer is Ian Lindsay. Our associate producer is Rufaro Faith Mazarura. Sound design and mixing by Scott Somerville. Theme and original music composed by Jesse Pearlstein. Additional music came from Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. Fendel Fulton is our fact checker. Our production manager is Samantha Allison. For My Heart Media, Dylan Fagan is our executive producer. 
Special thanks to Adelia Rubin at Neon Home and Carrie Lieberman and Will Pearson at iHeartMedia. I'm Todd Matthews. You can learn more about NamUs at NamUs.gov. The number for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Call Center is 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-843-5678. The National Sexual Assault Hotline from the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network is 1-800-656-4673. Okay, guys, this is the end of the show. If you didn't like it, don't do anything. But if you did like it, you make sure that you rate and review the show. It helps more people to find it and hear this wonderful story. Thanks again for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.